If you've been with us, uh, we are in the middle of a series called Vintage Wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And tonight we're going to be talking about overcoming laziness, something I think every single one of us in different ways struggles with. We've talked about wisdom in week one, and then we talked about uh, sexual issues, and we talked about envy, we talked about anger, and then tonight we're talking about laziness. If you look at the Psalms or the Proverbs that we have listed here, you'll notice in the very first one, it talks about wisdom in general. And here's what it says. Do not call, does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice. And the reason that we're putting all these different Proverbs in the passage uh, of the week again is because Proverbs is truth condensed into a single line. And so in order for us to really understand the different truth that's contained on a given topic, we have to read a bunch of different Proverbs. And so here what it says is that wisdom calls out. Wisdom raises its voice. It's wisdom personified here. And so it's wisdom that's the teachings of Solomon in this case that are personified as a woman. And it says this, this woman who is wisdom, she calls out, she's audible, she's loud. She is heard by anyone that is listening. It's not like you find this wisdom in the shadows. It's accessible and it's available to anyone that's willing to listen. And then it says that wisdom is on the heights besides the way at the crossroads. She takes her stand. And so not only is wisdom loud and not hidden away in the shadows and is audible and accessible to anyone that's willing to listen, but wisdom is also on the heights. It's visible. You can see it. And wisdom takes her stand at the crossroads. And this is so interesting, right? We all have so many different decisions that we make in a given day, and we have major decisions that we make in life in a given year or in a given few years. And it seems oftentimes that when we make a decision, we're at a crossroad, right? We're, we're deciding which choice we should make, or maybe there's a multitude of choices. And sometimes we make the wrong choice and we know it even when we make it. And sometimes we make the right choice and we're grateful. And it says here that at that crossroad, when you have these different converging paths, that wisdom is right there at the middle. It says that she's guiding you and she's saying, follow me. If you trust me, if you come after wisdom, you're going to be walking along the right path, or you can kind of go the path that everybody else is going, which it's a struggle for us. It's a battle for us. And tonight, I think especially on this topic, which is overcoming laziness, we are faced with these decisions all the time where wisdom is sitting at the crossroads. She's loud. She's audible. She's accessible. She's visible. But it's so hard sometimes to really follow after what we know to be wise or really even sometimes distinguish what is wise. You know, this topic is something I relate with because I think as we all would admit if we were really pushed is that we have different areas that we struggle with laziness, right? We can call it different things. Sometimes we use a nicer term, which is procrastination. Uh, procrastination doesn't always mean that you're lazy, but oftentimes it does. In my case, in my past, of course it was. I, I, I'm going to confess a little bit to you here, so don't judge me. My senior year of high school, uh, I was in AP English. No idea why I was in AP English, but I was. And I'm in this class, and I'm really excited because it's the second semester of my senior year. You know, it's kind of all winding down. And the teacher at the very beginning says, listen, there's only one grade. And I'm like, awesome. I only have to put my focus and attention on one thing, and then I can just pass the class, and I'll be good. She said, you're just going to write a paper, a research paper on a book. Here's a list of books. You can choose whatever one you want. And at the end of the semester, you're going to turn in your paper that's going to be thoughtful and analytical and critical, and you're going to have to have research, but you're going to have 
the whole entire semester to do it. And I'm like, awesome, I can do that. No problem. So I chose a book, everyone's choosing a book, and she's like, okay, here's the structure, here's what's going to happen. You're going you're gonna to get the book, and then you're going to read the book in the first month. In the second month, you're going to go get some books from the library, you're going to do some research, okay? And then you're going to get all the research together, then you're going to write a rough draft. And then after you write the rough draft, you're going to kind of edit it, and you're going to research some more, you're going to write another rough draft, and then you're going to do a little bit more research. In the final month, you're going to put it all together, and you're going to turn it in, and you're going to say, I did it, I got a good grade, I did as best as I could, and I said, I can do that. I can really do that, guys. You ever have these moments where, like, you tell yourself you're going to do something, right? You're like, I'm going to do that. Of course I'm going to follow. And you're like, what, next week, right? I'll do it next week. Or maybe, like, a little bit later. Because you have other things that you love and other things that you're interested in. And so those things take priority, especially the things that give you immediate gratification. So you go to those different things. You're like, I'm going to get to that. Don't worry. i got plenty of time. And then you have that one moment where your head kind of pops off the pillow and you're like, oh my gosh, that's next week. You ever have that? You're like, the semester's over in five days and I haven't even bought the book, you know? So I'm like, oh my goodness, what do I do? You know, everyone else has done their rough drafts and their research and the whole thing. And so it's like step one, buy the book. So I got the book and then, um, this is why it's confession time. Um, I was at the crossroads. And I decided I only have one option. I did not follow wisdom. And I said, I'm going to go ask my teacher if she's ever read the book. So I asked her, have you ever read this book, Out of the Silent Planet? No, no, I'm really excited about your book, uh, you know, paper. I'm like, okay, this is perfect. So then what I did was I read the first chapter and the last chapter. I got some research, you know, from the library. And then I made up the story. Uh, no idea what the story is about to today. And neither does my teacher. And so I just kind of crammed and I... I formulated and I put it all together. I turned it in and, you know, I, I made it through high school, which was, uh, great, but my grade was not what it could have been, right? It was lackluster. I made it through the skin of my teeth and, uh, and I, I cheated really, right? I mean, I made up the story of the book that I had five months to do. And these happen in life, right? These kind of scenarios happen in all different, we probably all have stories that we can share of, times where we were lazy with something and then the deadline hit or things that we're just continuing to prolong, right? We have relationships that we want to see progress and grow or relationships that we want to find or we have different goals and work that we want to achieve or goals for our life and dreams and we just kind of keep pushing them off or we kind of go at something else or we have our health that we really want to start taking care of and next year's New, Re New Year's resolution, I'm really going to do it then, you know? We continue to push it off, and we can call it different things, but I think if we're honest, a lot of times it's just that we struggle with laziness. We go to other things that will provide immediate gratification in the moment instead of really pushing through those obstacles and, and being diligent. And we have this in so many different areas in our life. And I think one of the areas that we really feel this a lot is in our work, right? It's in your career. It's in your vocation. So much of our identity is rooted in what we do and what we produce and who we are in terms of our professional career. I mean, when you meet someone, the first thing you do is you ask them their name. And then the next question you ask them is what? What do you do, right? Because so much of who we are is wrapped up in what we do. And we have dreams and we have goals and we want to make a difference we don't want to just kind of live for a paycheck. We want to have a smile on our face when we go to work and we want to push through obstacles and we want to achieve 
certain things, but we get stuck or we get lazy or we choose other things. And we ask this question sometimes of ourselves, like, how in the world do I overcome this? And there's a lot of wisdom out there, right? If you go on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, or you Google, how do I overcome laziness? You're going to have a bunch of little quotes. You're going to have some five-step programs. You're going to have some different stuff and you could try it. Maybe it helps for a little bit, but it's not true wisdom. And you're going to kind of go back and have to do some more research later to figure out how you can overcome laziness once again. But tonight in the text here, Proverbs and Solomon lays out what does it look like to overcome laziness. It's specifically here as well geared towards work, but can be applied to different areas of your life as well. So let's jump in to wisdom here. Look at Proverbs 10. You can look in your Bible that you brought with you in your worship program. It says, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So what it's saying here is that slack or the hand that is careless or negligent or has lax behavior, the hand that is lazy, it causes poverty. It generates very little. It is not able to produce much. There's no abundance. It's making below what it should. It's generating below what it's capable of. And the, the word hand here is, is tied in with work specifically. Because in an agrarian culture, your hands really constituted what you do. And they were very important. So it's saying here that the negligent in their work, or the careless, or the, the lazy, they're going to produce little. And that kind of rings true to you, if you think about it. And the imagery that's coming up here is someone that's shooting a bow and arrow. Okay, and so it's saying that the person in their work or in other areas of life as well, they're going to take their arrow out and they're going to aim it. This is their goal. This is their dream. This is what they want to produce. And they're going to put it on the bow and they're going to pull it back. But the slack hand, the one that doesn't pull too far back, the one that doesn't push through the obstacles, the one that's careless and is negligent, is lazy, is not going to pull the string back enough for the arrow to go anywhere. And so when they release, it's just going to fall straight down because the line is slack. But on the other hand, the hand that is diligent makes rich. The hand that takes the arrow and grabs the bow and puts it on the string and then keeps pulling back and pulling back and pulling back till they can't pull back any farther and pushes through all that adversity and all that tension. When they let go, the arrow is going to fly directly to the target and they're going to strike the target. They're going to generate wealth. They're going to produce more. They're going to produce in abundance. They're going to make rich. And you hear this and you think like, okay, that makes sense. I understand that. Like if you're careful and you're thoughtful and you're diligent, you're going to really achieve your goals. And if you're lazy and you're careless and you're negligent, then you're, you're not, you're going to produce little. But one of the things I think is interesting is you hear this, especially in the context of the church. And sometimes you can feel a little bit uncomfortable because the desire to have a goal or have an arrow or have a dream to generate wealth or to generate abundance in the things that are oftentimes associated with wealth, like influence and power, to say, I desire to generate an abundance monetarily or an influence or in power feels uncomfortable. It feels like that's wrong, right? I mean, have you ever been in a community group or a Bible study before where somebody said this, hey, listen, can you pray for me? I really want to be diligent in my work so I can make a lot of money and gain a lot of influence, and gain a lot of power. You'd be like, 
Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, Tom needs Jesus. Okay, um, next, right? You would feel so uncomfortable with that because you feel like you're not supposed to say that out loud. You probably think it. You probably desire that. You're like, yes, I do want to generate wealth. I do want to gain influence. I do want to gain power, but I'm never going to say it out loud because it feels kind of wrong. But is it wrong, right? I mean, this is wisdom here in Proverbs. This is, is God's word, and it's saying that God has given you different opportunities and different things you've been entrusted to, specifically your work. And it's saying here the negative is to actually be careless and negligent and lazy because you're going to produce a little. The positive, what is wise, is to be diligent and careful and thoughtful and desire actually to generate an abundance. That that desire is actually not wrong. There's a famous psalm, Psalm 34. You've probably heard it before. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. This is written in so many different areas. Maybe you have this as a screensaver at some point. It's a really important and encouraging voice. But as we talked about last week when we talked about envy, what it's saying here is that you're to aim your heart at God. Because we said last week that where you aim your heart, where you direct your feelings and your desires is where you're going to run. It's where you're going to go. And so if you aim your heart at anything over God, you're going to run after that thing for satisfaction. and You're going to feel empty because you're not going to find it there. But if you aim your heart at God, if you delight yourself in him, if you run after him, then you're going to actually find satisfaction. You're going to find purpose. And then you're going to be looking at all these other qualities and there's all these other possessions and all these other things that your heart really does desire. And you're going to be able to put them in their proper place and then run after them appropriately. So you delight yourself in the Lord, you aim your heart at him, and then he gives you the desires of your heart, meaning he actually makes your desires his desires. Because you're aimed at him, because you're delighting yourself in him. And some of those desires are actually the desire to be diligent and to work hard. And even the desire to generate an abundance in wealth or influence or, or power. The verse right before Psalm 37 verse 4 says this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. So right before this, in the same psalm, as it says, delight yourself in the Lord. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. It says that you're to trust God. You're to do good, which is to, to do everything you do with excellence because you're reflecting the ultimate good who is God and perfectly excellent. And you're to dwell in the land wherever God has placed you, where he's put you. You're to dwell there and you're to be faithful. You're to be diligent. You're to push through. And he's going to give you the desires of your heart. You see, obviously we have to be careful with our desires because they can be misguided. But what it's saying is that when you aim your heart at God and you delight yourself in him, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. And it's not a wrong or misplaced desire to do good and to work hard and to be excellent and to befriend faithfulness and to take the opportunities that you've been given as you've been placed in this certain place and to trust God with that and to desire to produce an abundance. That's not wrong in and of itself because it's the natural proclivity of your heart. The problem 
lies in the purpose. It's not wrong to desire to generate wealth or desire to generate influence or power. It's where we get misguided is the purpose behind it. And the the question is, do you desire those things for yourself alone or do you desire those things so that you might care for and advantage others? Look what it says in Proverbs 12. Whoever is righteous, and the righteous is is connected here to the diligent, right? Whoever is righteous and diligent has regard for the life of his beast. But the mercy of the wicked is cruel. And so in an agrarian culture, right, this is a farmer or a shepherd, and he has a whole bunch of livestock, and it's saying the righteous person, the diligent person, they have desires and they have goals. Surely they want to produce a lot, but they have regard for their beast or their animals. Those that they've been entrusted over, those that they have responsibility over or have been given authority over in their place of work, they are mindful. They listen. They pay attention. They, they're empathetic with the different needs. You see the connection here, right? It's the different places that you've been put, whether it's in your work, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in a social circle, whatever the place may be where you've been given responsibility, maybe you've been given authority. It's an opportunity that's been entrusted to you. Are you like the righteous person who is mindful, who is empathetic, who cares for the needs of those around you? Or are you like the wicked person? It says the mercy of the wicked is cruel. And what it's saying here is that The flip side is the wicked or the lazy or the negligent or the careless person that looks at the opportunities and the places they've been put or the people they've been given responsibility or authority over. And they say, they're just there to produce for me. Look at the the livestock and they say, I don't really care about the beast and the livestock here. They're there to advantage me. They're there to produce wealth and power and influence for me. I don't really care about them. I'm going to use them so I can get what I want. Where on the flip side, the righteous person says, no, 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 no. I'm here to advantage them, actually. I'm actually here to be mindful of their needs and to care for them on their behalf. You see, they both here in this scenario have a desire to gain and produce an abundance. But one focuses on the needs of those that are around them, and the other person says, those people are there to benefit me and my needs. I don't care for their needs. So what it's, it's saying here is that the lazy are focused on the now. They're focused on what they can get. They're the wicked and the lazy, because all they care about is how they can be advantaged, whereas the righteous and the diligent are mindful, and they care about advantaging others. Look at Proverbs 15. Here's what it's saying. It's talking about what you focus on. It says, the way of the sluggard, the lazy, the negligent, the careless is like a hedge of thorns. But the path of the upright or the righteous or the diligent is a level highway. So they're, they're both desiring to go somewhere. They have goals, right? But the sluggard, it, it's like they're just kind of running into a hedge of thorns. Whereas the path of the upright is, is a level highway that goes off into the distance that they're walking upon. See, the difference between the two is not their desires, it's not their goals. 
It's what they focus on. See, the lazy are nearsighted and the diligent are farsighted. I had to research that because I was nervous I was going to get it wrong. Especially because we have a lot of medical people here. There, Maybe I still got it wrong. I'm not really sure. I'm a little nervous about it. But the lazy, all they care about and all they can see is what's in front of them. They don't look ahead. They just want to advantage themselves now. And they get pricked all the time by the thorns and they get distracted. And when they get hit, they just turn around and they go somewhere else. And so... They have roadblocks in work, right? And you think to yourself, I must be in the wrong profession. Or maybe I'm with the wrong company. You're struggling to to find purpose in what you're doing, and you think to yourself, well, maybe there's no purpose in what I'm doing. I'm never going to find purpose in what I'm doing. Some people get to find that, but I'm never going to find that. You're not achieving the goals that you have in the time that you desire. So you think to yourself, you know, I'm just a failure. I'm inadequate. I'm never going to make it. I don't have enough skills and talents to really achieve these goals. A relationship isn't moving forward in the way that you imagined, and the issues aren't gone. And so you think to yourself, I probably just need to get a new relationship, and this one's not going to work. No, we, no use wasting time. It's not advantaging me right now. Your spiritual journey is is difficult and it requires a lot more time and effort than you imagined. And so you say, I'm just going to get less involved. It's going to kind of take a step back. Or maybe you think, probably it's not true then. I'm just going to kind of sit and just live my life. See, the lazy are nearsighted. They just, all they can see is right, is what's in front of them. They hit an obstacle, they hit the thorn and they just turn around and go a different way. Whereas the diligent or the righteous, they're farsighted. They're looking ahead. They're on the level highway and they're walking forward. And so they have a roadblock in work. And they think to themselves, is there something I can do to push through this? Right? Is, is there someone I can actually talk to in my profession, in my place of business or, or somewhere that can maybe give me some guidance because I really want to step over these thorns. I want to move beyond them. Maybe you're struggling to find purpose in what you're doing and you think to yourself, if you're the diligent and the righteous, you say, well, maybe I should just start by doing one thing excellently at a time. Maybe I should start by focusing on one coworker and really building a relationship and caring for one coworker at a time. And maybe I'll discover my purpose as I move slowly forward. You're not achieving the goals that you had in the time that you thought you would. And so the diligent and the upright say, well, maybe my timing was off. Maybe there are some things that I can do to start moving towards those goals. And maybe I need to think about them. And your relationship isn't moving forward in the way that you imagine. And your issues aren't gone. And the diligent and the upright say, well, what's my role in this? I mean, where am I to blame? And what can I do to actually push through these roadblocks in this relationship? Your spiritual journey is struggling and taking a lot more time and effort and work than you imagined. And so you say to yourself, you know what? I need to go speak with somebody. I need to talk with somebody that I trust for wisdom and guidance because I really do want to see my faith mature. And I probably should also take those things that I'm feeling. I should offer them up to God in prayer and ask him for strength because it's just part of the journey. There's going to be hardship. You see, the difference between the two is that one is just looking down and the other is looking ahead. And if you kind of take a bird's eye view and you pull out the camera on this scene, you'll notice 
that the lazy and the wicked is just moving in circles because they're hitting thorns and they're turning around, they're hitting thorns and they're turning around, they're hitting thorns and they're turning around. They're not pushing through anything because all they're trying to do is find something that they can enjoy in the moment and they're never actually moving past. But when you look at the diligent and the righteous, they're on a highway that's level and they're just taking one step at a time. They may not be running. They may not be jogging even. They may be walking really slow, but they're taking one step at a time because they're looking ahead. They're focused on what's around them. And you'll notice here that the direction is not only different. I mean, the lazy and the wicked are just spinning in circles while the righteous is moving forward. The direction is not only the difference, but also the disposition. Because the lazy is saying to themselves, man, they're pricked all the time. They keep running into thorns and they're just so easily annoyed and frustrated because they hit the thorns and they turn around. They're sore all the time. And so they're complaining about everything and they're bleeding because they keep running in the thorns. You know what happens when you bleed, right? When you get cut and you're bleeding, you can only think about that. You're not capable of thinking about anything else because you have all these cuts and the blood is drawing your attention to that area. And so these people, the, the, those that are wicked and lazy and are just looking down at their surroundings, they're only ever thinking about themselves. Whereas the opposite is the diligent or the righteous. They're looking ahead and so they're actually able to take in their surroundings. They're able to enjoy the process. They're taking one step at a time. Their feet probably hurt. They're stepping over obstacles and maybe they're bleeding a little bit and they wish they were running, but they're walking right now. They remember when they used to be jogging, but they're going to get back there, but they're taking one step at a time and they're able to kind of look around and enjoy what's happening as they move a little bit closer to the horizon. They're able to see the needs of others because, again, they're not just consumed with themselves. They're able to see others that are on the path and care for others and their needs, knowing that it's not just about them on this journey, but those that are with them. And they're joyful because they're not just focused on what they can gain and achieve and advantage for themselves in a moment, but they're able to give out and they're able to distinguish, to distribute the things that they receive. And they notice that they're actually moving forward and it brings them joy because they're cultivating the different gifts that they have and they're using them. Look at Proverbs 22. It says, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. See, the person that's devoted to time and is, is hardworking and is diligent and is focused ahead and is walking in that direction. They're cultivating the skills that they've been giving. They're using them. And they're seeing them grow and progress. They're working excellently. And excellence is attractive. It's influential, right? You could look at about just anything done excellently and you're going to be captivated by it. It's going to be influential. Like, I love hip-hop dance videos. Love them. I don't know if you, you resonate with that, but if I watch a good hip-hop dance video, I'm watching this show right now called World of Dance, can't get enough of it, amazing. Highly recommend it. But when I watch it, the precision, the athleticism, the rhythm, when it's done excellently, it's captivating. It's powerful, it's attractive. And I think to myself, if you drop the beat, I could do those moves. You know, I really do think that. I gotta work on my flexibility, but I'm gonna get there. 
Because when you see excellence in action, it's really attractive and it's really powerful. It brings you before kings. It gets attention. So whether you are a barista or you're an investment banker, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're a mom, you're a dad, you're a leader in the church, whatever the different things that God has entrusted you with, He's given you responsibility over when you do it excellently and you seek to do it excellently. It's attractive and it gains influence. But here's the problem. So many of you think this. That's great. I know that. I understand that. I don't have any skills. I I don't have like any significant talents. Certainly don't have them like that person, right? Because you're always comparing yourself. You're comparing your talents and your skills to other people. And you say, I don't have those. I'm not able to achieve and to do the type of things that they do. And so I don't really know what I could do excellently. That's attractive and influential, but see, everyone has talents and skills. Everyone's been given talents and skills, whether you've been given a steady hand or a strategic mind or management acumen, or you have a brain that's like a calculator, you're really able to teach or communicate, or you're able to be creative, and maybe you have rhythm or organization or emotional intelligence or discernment. See, everyone has been given talents and skills. Jesus says this in Matthew 25. He talks about the parable of the talents, and here's what he says. There's a master, and he gave talents out to three people. One person he gave one talent, the other person he gave two, and then the other person he gave five. And he said, go ahead and use your talents. I'm going to come back later. And so the, pe- the, the, the people that had two and five, they began to use their talents. They began to put them to use. They were working at them excellently, and they took two and made it four. And then the person that had five used his five talents and he made it 10. And the master comes back who is Jesus. And and he comes and he says, listen, well done, good and faithful servant. He tells him well done because he put his talents to use. They were diligent and focused and seeking excellence. And he says, I'm going to put you over much now because look what you've produced. You've generated wealth you've generated in abundance and he looks at the person with one talent and standing there and it's a little nervous the person with one talent you know looks at the master and says i'm I'm like i only have one talent and i didn't want to mess it up you know like i i don't have what other people have i don't have what they have and so i didn't really use it because it's not as good as what other people have i didn't think i was actually able going to do anything with it anyway. And so I just kept it to myself because I was fearful and I felt inadequate. But but you can have your one talent back. And the master's angry because it was a slack hand that caused poverty. It generated little. It was negligent and careless and lazy and focused on just the here and now. And all he could think about was what he doesn't have instead of what he has. He didn't put it to use. You see, you've been given 
talents and skills. And maybe you need to work at kind of understanding what those things are. And you've been commanded to put them to use. Your master has commissioned you. God has commissioned you as he's given you talents that are unique to you. And he didn't make a mistake when he gave you certain talents. He didn't give you others. He's not asking you to compare them. He's saying whether you have one or two or five or ten or a hundred, however many talents you've been given, you're to put them to use. You're to be diligent with them, hardworking, seek to use them excellently, focus on what's ahead and then distribute the rewards to others. And it's okay if you desire to generate wealth or gain influence or gain power, because I'm asking you to take what you've been given and create an abundance. Don't just hold it in. Use them. You know, Ecclesiastes 3, 13 says this, everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. See, work is a gift. It can feel like a curse because of the effects of sin, but work was pre-fall. It was before sin. It's part of God's created order. And we're to take pleasure in what we do. We're to see it as a gift, but you can only enjoy it when you realize that you actually have a purpose and where God has entrusted you, where he's put you, that you're to focus on what's ahead. You're to care about others and be mindful of them so you can distribute the things that you're able to generate. And you're to actually use your skills, recognize that you have them with confidence and use them excellently. And then it becomes fun because you're able to take pride. You're able to enjoy the process and to see how God is going to use the things that are unique to you to generate much for others. You see, we all want to make a difference. We don't, none of us want to wake up and say, I don't like what I do. I don't feel like I have any purpose in my life. I'm just trying to keep my bank account in the black. No one wants to live like that. But we have to be mindful of what is your purpose in your work and where are you focusing and are you using your skills excellently and are you diligent? Are you focusing on what's ahead or what's in the now? You know, wisdom is sitting at the crossroads and is asking you, these questions and is saying, you know, don't be afraid to say that you desire to generate wealth or gain influence or power. It's a natural proclivity of your heart. But realize that you've been commissioned by your master to use those things for the advantage of other people because your master was diligent. He was other focused. He was excellent. He used his skills and his talents. The greatest example of work is the work of the cross. Right? Where Jesus provides the ultimate example of what it looks like to work for the advantage of others. It's the ultimate example of what it means to look ahead. It's the ultimate example of what it means to use the talents and the opportunities and the resources that you've been given excellently. See, you're here if you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection. You say, I love God and I believe in the gospel. You're here because Jesus went to work on the cross for you and then he gave you the rewards that he earned for you. That's the gospel. And so if you believe that, then how would you doubt that he has given you skills and he has given you opportunities? He has placed you in different areas and different places, especially your work, and he's asking you to use what he's given you so that you can create an abundance, so you can, like your master who's commissioned you, give out the things that you earned for the benefit of others. That's what it means to respond to the gospel in regards to how you live. A great example of this is 
come out in the last couple weeks where Derek Carr, who just became the highest paid player in the NFL, he's a quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, he just signed a five-year, $125 million deal. Wow. They're interviewing him, and, and they say, he, he's talking about it, and he's talking about what it feels like. He's saying, listen, I, I worked my whole life for this. It's a goal. It's a dream to be a franchise quarterback with the influence, and this contract is amazing. It's unbelievable. They ask him, and they say, you know, Derek, what, what are you going to use? What are you going to do first with the money? I mean, it's a lot of money. I mean, what are you going to buy? He says, first, I'm going to buy Chick-fil-A because I've been eating clean. So he wants to eat Chick-fil-A. He says, second, I'm going to tithe to my church. Interesting. I'm going to give the money that I've received back to God and his church. And third, he says, I'm going to buy my wife probably something nice. But then he says this. He goes, listen, I am very happy and grateful that this money has been given to me. He's not embarrassed by it. I'm so thankful that this opportunity and this money has been given to me. And then he says, why? He says, because it's going to help a lot of people in this country and another country and around the world because this money has been given to us so we can help other people. And then he goes specifically and says, we're going to help a lot of people in Haiti. We have a heart for the people of Haiti and we're going to be able to, to use this for their benefit. You see, he wasn't lazy. He was diligent. He pushed through a lot of obstacles. He has eyes on the horizons. He took one step at a time. And sure, he was sore and probably doubted. He re- recognized the talents that he had been given, and he used them excellently. And he recognized the purpose behind what he's been called to do is not just to make a lot of money and be a famous quarterback and have this really cush, comfortable, luxurious life. He's been given all these things. He's grateful he's received them because he's going to advantage others with it. And you can tell in the interview that he really loves what he does. He enjoys it. He finds joy in it because he knows the purpose and he has a focus. It's what the last proverb says. Proverbs 27 says, whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit and whoever guards his master will be honored. See, it's saying, be patient. There is a harvest that will come but you don't plant a tree and then all of a sudden you eat from the fruit. Take some time for the tree to grow and produce the fruit. So in the meantime, you should recognize the purpose that you've been given, which is to use your talents that you're going to employ excellently, to be diligent, to focus on what's ahead so that you can advantage others as you desire and you do in fact generate an abundance in many different ways in your life. And then it becomes fun so much joy found in that. And so in the midst of the grind, then you can find joy. And laziness doesn't become an option. Because it's not just about you. It's about being commissioned and following your master so you can advantage others just as he did for you. Let's pray.